Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. With the productized service model, that's definitely been the fastest way to grow recurring revenue, like significant levels of recurring revenue. That was a clip from my interview today with Brian Castle, who is giving us the 101 on productized services. Now, if you are somebody who wants to create a location-independent lifestyle, and maybe you are thinking about freelancing or you're freelancing right now, trading time for money, you don't want to do that. You want to figure out a way where you can get more freedom so you can travel more and you don't want to trade one 40, 50, 60, 70, 80-hour work week for another one. You want to be smart about it, right? And uh, why not educate yourself on some potential business models out there? So that is what I'm bringing to you today. This is all about the 101 on productized services, what they are, how you can take a service that you're offering people and scale it in a way that gives you more time, more freedom, and more money, not bad things to have, right? We're also going to talk travel, of course, you'll hear about Brian and his family's trip around the United States, how it was to launch a business while he was going around from place to place. And one of the things we get into today is this idea of setting up constraints for yourself, how important it can be to give yourself constraints in order to accomplish the things you want to do, whether it's travel goals, life goals, or whatever. So I am going to give you three tips, three ways in this episode that you can manufacture constraints for yourself and set yourself up for success so you can do the things that you want to do and you don't let too much time slip by. So all of that's coming in this very episode, my friend. Get ready. It's a good one. Buckle up, enjoy, strap in, grab your favorite beverage, relax. Thanks for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. You heard what we're doing here at the top of the show. Got an action-packed episode for you today. I'm still 
as fired up as ever to bring you this podcast week to week and the new year sneaking up on us, isn't it? I mean, can it really be almost holiday time? I mean, kind of, kind of, right? It's getting there. It's crazy. Got some really fun shows coming up for you over the next several weeks and beyond and actively recording new interviews. So, uh, if you haven't reached out and you do want to be considered as a guest on the show, you can always hit me up or just drop me a line and say hello and let me know what you're up to. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com is my email. You know what I'm doing here. I'm trying to cover as many possible topics as I can to help you travel the world on your terms. It's what we do here. This is a community-powered show, and I am here for you, my friends. So if you have any guest recommendations or topics you want me to cover, just like to throw that out there. You know how to get in touch with me and I do read all of those emails if I haven't responded to one of yours. I'm sorry, I have read it and I love you uh, very much. (laughs) I'm just very backed up right now. Uh, Not only in email, but on life. You know, this whole moving thing, I'm still surrounded by boxes. I'm up in my uh, little, I'm calling the loft studio now, looking out the window. It's not raining for the first time in forever and Yeah, still settling in here. So how are you doing? Hope you're doing well. I have had the pleasure of hearing from some of you, and I've got a shout-out coming later on in this episode for one of you lovely souls in the Zero to Travel listening community. Uh, Like I said at the top, we've got an awesome interview here with a new friend, Brian Castle, who uh, really is an expert on this whole productized service business model. Now, again, if if you're like doing the eye roll thing, because you're like, you know what, Jason, I don't know if this is my thing, or I'm not really entrepreneurial or business minded or anything like that. Listen, you got to be open minded. If you want to live a life of travel, I mean, that's the one thing I've learned The people that have been able to travel the longest, and to keep it going, uh, and to just really pack their lives with travels, are at least the people that I've encountered are those that are open-minded and flexible, right? They're like willing to explore different things, try different things, and really, I don't know, dive into new ideas and things that could maybe potentially keep them out on the road for longer or, you know, give you more freedom and things like that. So yeah, maybe this isn't your jam, maybe it is, but you have to come in with an open mind, give it a listen, and we got a bunch of other fun stuff happening in this episode, even if at the end you're like, you know what? I don't know if this productized service thing is for me. That's cool, but you might get some new fresh perspectives and some other ideas that you can bring to either your current um, location-independent business if you have one, or maybe some of the uh, ideas you might be cooking up, or just into your life. And we do talk travel, of course, in this show, and we also talk about this idea of setting up constraints for yourself. And I do want to leave you with those three tips at the end, three ways that you can set yourself up for success because it's very easy when you want to do something and if you have a lot of time to kind of just, I don't know, time sneaky, right? It can just sneak on by. Next thing you know, that thing you wanted to do uh, hasn't been done because you've uh, waited, you know, two, three, four, five years and this could be related to travel or something else. So I've got three powerful ways that you can set yourself up for success by manufacturing constraints for yourself. And I will share that at the end of the show. Thank you so much for being a listener of this show. I really appreciate you. Let's get into the interview portion now. And I will see you on the other side, my friend. (laughs) 
I am uh, very excited to be on this call with new friend, Brian Castle, who's uh, an expert on productized services. And although that term might sound a little boring <laughs> to some people, like productized service, you should actually get quite excited because this is one of the best and I would maybe arguably the quickest ways to kind of build and scale a location independent business. So if you are somebody that wants more freedom and wants more time and you're interested in building something for yourself, then you should probably give this one a listen. So anyway, Brian, uh, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Hey, Jason. Thanks for inviting me. Obviously, as we're talking about these days, I I don't know too many people who are are doing a ton of traveling, but we, we have done, we love to travel. We do several trips a year. And actually, when I launched my productized service back in 2015, we launched it from the road. We, we were doing like a cross, like a, like a lap around, around America, basically living in different Airbnbs. And, and, it, and it, we were able to like jump around from Airbnb to, to the next one um, while I was launching to those first paying customers on, uh, on audience ops. How did that go for you? You know, the whole traveling and launching a business at the same time thing isn't always easy. I mean, I think it's definitely not like what the pictures look like, right? Like, here's me with my laptop at the beach, <laughs> just kicking back, you know? There were definitely days where we were <laughs> driving between places and I was taking sales calls in the car, but, you know, no, I mean, it was it was great, you know? Uh, and, and like you said, uh, it, it's true that the, with the productized service model, that's definitely been the fastest way to grow recurring revenue, like uh, significant levels of recurring revenue, you know, because you look at other things like software or selling eBooks or, or things like that, like, you know, at at lower price points for those things, you, you need so many more customers. Whereas with a productized service, if you have a higher price point, um, you really just need a handful of, of good uh, recurring retainer clients uh, to make it work, and you know it's not to say it's it's passive income by any means in the very early stages. But the ideas that I try to share with people are, you know, focus on processes, try to make it as standard and repeatable as as possible, try to focus on solving one core problem for one ideal customer, and then that makes it easier to hire a team and delegate the tasks, and then and then you can just focus on the business, the processes, and and you really can do that from anywhere. And, I, and I've taken many vacations while uh, while the team continues to deliver services for for our clients. Yeah, and that's the the exciting thing. And I I mean de- definitely fuel any lifestyle you want to have, really. And I, before we get into all that, because we we are going to get into the nuts and bolts of you know defining what a productized service is, and really give you some examples so you can understand what it is that we're talking about and come away from this conversation. Yeah. Maybe with some, your own new business idea or just having learned a bunch about uh, something that could be a potential thing for you. I want to hear a little bit more about this year traveling around. I mean, were you with your family? You have two daughters, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do have two daughters. Now they're four and six. Um, at the time it was with our, she it was like one and a half at the time. And then my second, my, my wife was pregnant with our second one. <laughs> Oh and we had our dog packed in the car there. So, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. So was what, what made you do it at that point <laughs> um, in your life? Well, so that year in 2015, I had sold my previous business that was called restaurant engine, which was like a web design service it ended up being a productized service for the restaurant industry. Uh, I bootstrapped that for a couple of years, sold that business. And then around that same time, my wife stopped working 
she worked locally here in, in Connecticut, worked, worked in the schools and whatnot. So, you know, she decided to stay home with our kids. And then all of a sudden we were like, well, hey, like she's not tied down to, to a location. I always work from anywhere. So, and you know, if we're going to kind of travel around, which is something that we've always wanted to do now, now would be a really great time. And then it was in, in those months that I also started, uh, you know, launching the, the new thing. So, I mean, that, that sounds like the ideal time in many ways, but I know having two kids myself that having a one and a half year old and a pregnant wife, <laughs> that's like a good, that that's a good argument for it not being the ideal time. Yeah, as well. the, the pregnancy <laughs> ended up happening a lot sooner than we expected. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like yeah. we, we had basically like planned and kind of committed to the trip before we knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. But, um, got it. Got but it. The, uh, but you went forward anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We did. Well, we started like selling all of our stuff and, <laughs> and, and like putting stuff into storage. So, did that give you um any urge to keep going? Like, how do you feel about I me? Mean, or maybe settling back down again was just kind of by circumstance because you have the kids and stuff. Yeah, but. we actually did cut cut it a little bit shorter than we expected. Like, we lapped the country and then kind of booked it back here to Connecticut to settle down. And, and we ended up buying a new house at that point, settling down for for our second daughter to to arrive here. And then. Um, I mean, we've been settled down here since then, but I mean, the other thing that the other reason why we wanted to do that sort of thing then was that, you know, our kids were so young, they were several years away from starting school or anything like that. So, you know, for that reason, it it was a pretty good time. And, uh, and now, you know, we, we still try to do obviously not so much in 2020, but we still try to do at least, you know, two good, you know, trips a year and especially in the summer when the girls are off. Yeah. What were your takeaways from extended time on the road with family you know like i said like we we still take a lot of trips sometimes just short road trips to go skiing snowboarding and stuff sometimes you know longer a couple of weeks at a time and and like all four of us are really into it even even the even the kids like they get such a kick out of like going to a new airbnb or a hotel or just drive or like airplanes is like huge for them you know like <laughs> um so uh so i, I don't know we all we all kind of get a kick out of it this year is very tough for us because it's like we we usually can't go three or four months uh, without another trip planned. It, we start to feel a little bit like, what do we got? What, what's on the calendar? Where are we going? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you're a fish fan because your dog's name is Trey. I'm just guess. I'm going out on a limb here, right? Yeah, you're one of the few people to uh, to pick <laughs> up on that. But but yeah, I'm, I'm a lifelong uh, fish head for sure. <laughs> I read your bio on your website. You said you you play music. I mean, you still record music and write songs. Yeah, I do. Um, much more as a hobby these days. You know, uh, I, I used to be a lot more serious about it, but um, I mean, yeah, like with with fish. I mean, Trey Anastasio and their whole approach has been a big influence. I'm I'm into all sorts of other stuff too. But and actually, this year I've been picking it up a lot more than I have in the past. Um, I've I've been into recording like instrumental tracks uh kind of mixed between like rock and electronic and hip-hop and stuff and like i because that's what i listen to when i work you know when i'm working on software products or writing and stuff i i can't listen to anything that has lyrics <laughs> no you know? me neither and like it could be <laughs> super hard. it could be super loud and aggressive but if it and that, and it, that gets me in the zone but if there's any words i'm completely thrown yeah. off so uh so i've been listening <laughs> yeah. to a lot of stuff and trying to make stuff that I could jam out to too. Cause I read that I was looking in the background. I was like, where I'm looking for some guitars or something. Oh yeah. It's uh, it's in the basement. I, I've got a basement. 
like home, ah, home studio set up there. Yeah. The classic every every person's dream, the basement studio. That's right. That's right. Or at least or at least this man's dream right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a couple guitars down there and you know, like uh, you know, pro tools and monitors and mics and all that kind of stuff. How does the music thing play in with business? Like does it does it play in at all? What is your relationship there? I've always seen a, a definitely a direct correlation to the type of work that I do for in in my career to to the music work because in music I've I've always been a, a like a, a songwriter and composer of, of tracks and things and and I was always attracted to the technical side too I actually went to school I got a degree in, in audio engineering and and uh, and so you know I've got this home home recording studio I really like to kind of geek out on on that kind of stuff as like in conjunction with the production and creation of, of songs. That's always interested me on my work front for, for my whole career here. I've, I've made a living primarily as a designer. I, I design things on the web and I create, uh, I started as a web designer. I've, I've grown into more of a software, uh, designer and developer. And so again, it's, it's that, it's that combination of, of like design and, and creativity and, and then the technical coding and programming. And, and then, you know, I've weaved in like stuff I've learned about marketing and copywriting and, and, and talking to customers. And so I just like the, the mix of, of, um, of like creativity and technology. I've always been super into that. I think also, you know, I, I've done a lot of work with video in my work. So, um, you know, whether it's creating like explainer videos or, or, or working on podcasts and stuff like that, like, you know, having a, a background in, audio production has has helped me pick up little skills like how to edit a video and, and and you know do things like that so that's been helpful too these hobbies or things you do uh somehow eventually inevitably seem to feed into the entrepreneurial journey somehow right like uh, sometimes you can't exactly pinpoint how that's going to happen right away but i think i think it's so important to have uh these outlets that are not related to business at all to get more inspiration, different types of, uh, I don't know, skills that can even still play in in surprising ways. I think. You know, it's interesting you brought that up. Like this year, especially, I mean, especially with being home more than we usually are, um, it's been fun because I've been picking up the music hobby a lot more, um, especially like on weekends and stuff. And that's been super fun for me because I feel like I went, too many years there where I was just so focused on building the business that I, I didn't really even have much in terms of hobbies other than, you know, occasionally going snowboarding and like, you know, some exercise stuff and, and being with the family and everything. Like I, I missed, I missed music as a hobby because my hobbies are, are like my work. Like I like to be in projects, you know, I like to actually create things from start to finish and, and, and work on these like long-term projects, whether it's a song or a set of songs or, you know, things like that. And so, um, so that's been really fun. Do you think it's important to know yourself in that way? Like to kind of try to identify the things that you like or the ways you like to work to set yourself up maybe for greater success, like knowing that you, like to work on big projects that have like a beginning and end, for example, I mean, or, or really anything. Yeah, man, these are really good qu questions. You know, this is fun because I, I don't get to talk about this kind of stuff too much. Um, but for sure, I mean, and, and again, there, there's a lot of similarities. Like one thing, any, anyone creative, I think 
may, maybe has noticed this. What I found is, okay, like when it comes to composing new new music or new music or like song ideas, you can you can go down into the basement studio and say, hey, today I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with something great, and then just hack away at it and try and try and and like you try to force it. And, and maybe you come up with a sort of an idea, but it's not quite there. And then you keep noodling on it. And then it's like weeks and, and, and it's, it's, it's okay, but it's not great. Then, then all of a sudden another day, it's like a little idea pops in. And it's like, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's awesome. And it just, you bust it out in like 15 minutes, in like, in like 15 <laughs> minutes, <laughs> like a, like a fully formed, amazing idea. Just, it, it's like, you can't even keep up with it. It just like shoots out of you. It just comes out of nowhere. Right. And, and I think. I've sort of wrote, wrote about this once, um, like the best ideas just come super fast and, and they come out of nowhere. And, and I think the same is true with, um, with like business ideas, you know, you're, you're in the shower, you come up with a shiny object business idea, um, and you, and you can't stop thinking about it. And it's like all the pieces just fall into place really, really quickly. Whereas you might've been trying to find something for months, you know, that might feel a little bit abstract, but that, that's, that's a thought that I've you know, thought about a lot. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. And we can use the, the song analogy, right? Like the, the grinding away uh, on, on a particular track or whatever that's doesn't quite pan out the way you want it to be. No pun intended. <laughs> All right. Maybe a little bit of pun intended. <laughs> 
is is that somehow a like a necessary step in the in the flash idea right like it's easy to kind of discount that as like oh well this flash idea just came to me and that other thing that was like a huge struggle right but yeah the other idea of setting um constraints giving yourself constraints so in business and in work i i have real constraints all the time um uh or at least I try to, you know, like I, I try to ship a feature in my software product by the end of the month. I don't want that to drag on too much longer or, um, or I, or, or we're designing a feature and, and it has to accomplish, it has to solve a very specific problem, but it doesn't have to solve anything else, you know, uh, minimum viable product and all that. So, um, so, so we work within those constraints in, in designing products and services, um, in music, I, I never really had those constraints and I, and sometimes it would be like, I'm, I keep trying to perfect and perfect the same song for months at a time. And so just recently I was thinking about that and I was like, well, why don't I just set myself a rule? You know, I'm only allowed to work on a song for two weekends in a row. And, and then just no matter what, no matter where it's at, I have to move on to the next idea. And, and I just want to do more ideas for the rest of the year rather than uh, keep trying to perfect the same ones. And, and I think that's helped. It's, it's been more fun, you know, try out different ideas. And, you, and, and again, you're setting yourself up for those like moments where it's just like something just kind of shoots out of you, you know? Yeah. If, if you want to add something else to that, just to, to further the constraint, you could, you could also add, write a check to me for $10,000. If you go over those two weekends, <laughs> All right. just, if you just, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> there you I go. mean, it might be worth, worth trying. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You know, when you work for yourself, they're, it depends on your situation, right? Like if you're like backs against the wall and you have bills to pay, then those are your constraints, right? If you have some time to play with, it's kind of easy to to not do the work that needs to be done if you don't have the right constraints set up. So I think like what you said about just kind of creating rules for yourself is a really important thing if you're somebody who struggles with getting things shipped out the door or whatever the case is. And that's a good point. I mean, about... The financial constraints, obviously, they're real. Everybody deals with them. Um, uh, there, there definitely have been years there where it's like that's a big reason why I, I, I didn't, why I put the music hobby down for a few years there because I felt like my priorities have to be getting the business more profitable and growing. You know, you know, sometimes that was to a detriment. Like sometimes I was grinding and and got burned out. And and frankly, you know, these days, like having the vacations and having the time with family and having the time playing music and stuff like I see that as a huge benefit to my work, you know, having the, the minds that stepping away from it and then coming back fresh on a Monday or Tuesday or something that, that really actually results in higher quality work when you have that time away. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's easy to kind of, I don't know, kind of forget like, Hey, I kind of, worked my butt off to do all this to set myself up to have a particular lifestyle. Now I'm not even taking advantage of that lifestyle that I could be having the, you know, these last three weeks I haven't gone outside or gone on a bike ride or done. I mean, maybe that's extreme, but you have to remind yourself like, Hey, we want to live. Exactly. You know, (laughs) I I could, I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, that's why I've, I've gone, uh, the self-funded route for, I've been self-employed, self-funded for over 12 years now. Not that I have anything necessarily against businesses taking on funding um, of any kind. I think it makes sense in a lot of cases, but 
Um, again, like building the productized service that that has been able to grow the the profitable cash flow that that can you know after after a couple of years of of really perfecting like the, the processes and building a, a really great team, that's what ends up resulting in in being able to fund all my hours and days to to work on something new or take or take more time off you know let's kind of get into that now because I think uh, you know obviously you're an expert on this and just listening to everything we just talked about I mean if you're listening to this podcast you're like all right well let's learn about this and now we're going to learn about it from somebody who obviously Brian you've been through the ringer it sounds like on some of this stuff and spent a lot of time and many hours so it's like hey let's let's learn from somebody who's been there done that and some of the smartest ways that we can do that where we can set ourselves up for uh, success in terms of like building the lifestyle that we want and making the business fit into that rather than the other way rather than trading like you know an 80 hour week job for another 80 hour a week job yeah right? for sure <laughs> and i've been there too <laughs> let's start with the definition of a productized service and maybe an example so people can understand what it is we're talking about you know the, you, might, you might conflate it with typical freelancing or consulting um but i i do see it as a there's a difference um Whereas with freelancing or consulting or even like a larger agency and a team, in many cases, they're, develop, they're, they're delivering services to many different clients who are asking for many different things. And every project looks completely different from the next, different, different size, different scope, different content, um, different people working on them. And and so what a productized service is, is, is it becomes a lot more focused. I mean, I used to be a freelance web designer. That that's 12 years ago when I left my I was working as a full time freelance, uh, or full time web designer in an agency, and then I went freelance. And for a couple of years there, I was doing websites for anyone and everyone, like websites for schools, websites for blogs, e-commerce, you name it, you know. Um, and then eventually, I I figured out like okay, if I could make all of my customers look very much the same to each other, then they, they're all experiencing pretty much the same problem. And I can solve that problem in pretty much the same solution. And I can put the, pretty much the same price tag on that solution and deliver it with pretty much the same process. That model, you know, making everything predictable and standardized, that's what enabled me to break out of the, um, you know, trading my hours for dollars and being, and cause there were years there where I was making a comfortable enough living as a freelancer, but I couldn't travel. I couldn't take vacations unless I was willing to take a pay cut for that week. Cause I, every hour I was delivering work that I was at the computer doing. Um, but once I, once I got into a more standard standardized business, a productized service business where at that point, everything sort of unlocks, right? You know exactly who your target customer is. So now you could actually go do marketing. You could, like, if, when you're a freelance consultant, you know, you hope you get enough referrals for next month, but you can't really push on that. You just kind of hope for it. Um, but when you know who your ideal customer is, you know what industry they're in, you know what they do, who, who you're targeting, you could do things like content marketing, like ads, like growing an audience and things like that. And then the same thing on the delivery side, when you're delivering pretty much the same solution, maybe with some configurable options or some custom content fit into a box, like it's much easier to start hiring people and train them on your process that you've figured out and you've optimized. And, uh, and that's where you could start to remove yourself from the day to day. And then 
And then as the founder, your your job starts to become just continuously working on those systems and making them, you know, more efficient, more profitable, more more um, automated, and uh, and then you know you you can do with you can take it in in many di- different directions at that point. There there have been productized services that scale up to multi millions in in revenue and te- and teams of hundreds of of people. Um, there's that route. Um, there's sort of a middle ground. I mean, my my productized service currently is called Audience Ops. It's it's blog content as a service. We we have a team of 25 people all working remotely. Um, but then I've I've used that to self fund my time uh, to step away from the day to day and focus more on uh, on the next product business. And and for the last two years now, that's been uh, Process Kit, which is a software business. And and there was even a point there where Back in 2018, you know, I'd gotten audience ops to a point where it, where it's really, we've really dialed in our systems. We've got a, a really fantastic team in place. I was literally spending, I still am, am spending less than like an hour or two a week on on that business. So now I have all this free time. What am I going to do with it? I ended up investing most of 2018 into me learning to code in Ruby on Rails. I, I was a front end web designer, WordPress and all that kind of stuff, but up until 2018, I couldn't build build like a functional app, like a soft, like a SaaS software as a service app. Um, so I spent that year taking courses, working with coaches, and and learning and figuring it out. And then and then by 2019, I was confident enough to start, you know, building and, and launching a Process Kit and, and been been focused on that. Sounds like it was a worthwhile investment in terms of uh, your time. Spend that year learning. Merging your two skills together, right? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, and, and I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not built the productized service first, because then I would be then then like learning the new skill would would have been that nights and weekends pro, you know project. Whereas with this, I was actually able to just work on it during the day every day. I definitely think it's what what we believe anyway. Would like some of the work that we're doing with helping people go independent and things like that is that the quickest way to do it is to just offer a service that you have, right? It's like you could do that today. You could be like, all right, I'm a writer. I don't even need a website. I could email a bunch of people and say, hey, I, you know, I'm a writer. I can write blog content for you. Here's what I charge. But for those people that are thinking about that and they're like, hey, I want to start doing that or maybe I just want to earn income on the side or for those people that are currently doing it, you know, it's easy to kind of think, okay, well, like, I'm just going to be trading time for money forever. Like it's like nice to know that, okay, if you look at this idea of a productized service, well, no, actually there is, if you want to stay within the realm of what you're doing, there is kind of a way out of that that you can scale. So instead of saying, Hey, I'm going to write for your blog, you're saying, Hey, we're going to be a blog content provider and essentially you're going to buy articles, but maybe we're going to have a team of writers and, you know, eventually people that are selling and things like that. So I just wanted to point that out because it's, it is probably, I would imagine, is that sort of the natural progression that happens for people that start productized services? Is- A lot of the people who, who find it and, and resonate with it are, are the freelancers and, and consultants who, who've been doing what I used to do, you know, kind of working project to project or selling billable hours um, there are some folks who, who are like leaving a corporate job and, and they see that in, in some ways I'm jealous of those people cause they can sort of like skip past the years of, <laughs> of grinding billable hours. And it's actually easier to, to think 
as a business owner's mindset from day one, that, that was the hard thing for me as a freelancer was like breaking out of this idea of just doing these like custom proposals for clients. Um, well, this would kind of be like, I'm, I'm not going to use the word shortcut, even though I just did, because there's no short, really, I don't think there's real shortcuts. No, there's business, never right? shortcuts. This would be like a smart way to look at it, right? Like maybe you're somebody listening, you haven't started freelancing yet, but you're like, wait a minute, I can skip the whole freelancing thing and go right to this. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a it's just like a matter of like where you start to understand how to prioritize and and sort of the being a little bit more intentional about the direction that you're going in in, in your self employment and in your business because for so long, you know, the default thing is like, well, I've got these skills. I'm a designer. I'm a writer. I'm a developer. Whatever it is, like, let me hop onto Upwork and just sell my my hours for some billable hour, hourly rate, and that is perfectly fine you know, especially when you're starting out, like do it. There's no, if you've never worked with any clients of your own before, definitely do yeah. that. That That's the fastest, it's a good you, way you're going to gonna build a ton yeah. of experience. Um, and usually out of that is what is where you could start to identify, Oh, these three or five clients have hired me for more or less the same thing. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's a market who needs this problem solved and I seem to be pretty good at it. So, um, and, you know, you don't even need to end up building a team. There are a lot of people who do what they call productized consulting. You know, it's it's just a, kind of a more packaged, more predictable, higher quality version of of uh, of just doing any work by the hour. You know, just to clarify, because you one of the things you mentioned, I think one of the big points is that you're creating something for a specific type of uh, customer or client. And I mean, the case of Restaurant Engine, which is the productized service that you sold. I mean, I think that's a good example and just want to make sure I'm getting this right. It's it's that, okay, yeah, you can say, I'm a website designer, I'll design any type of website. Whereas this is a product specifically for the restaurant industry, specifically for restaurants that you're going to design websites for restaurants that need a web presence or their web presence improved, right? That's like a much different product than just being a general, hey, I'm a website designer and I can design whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And, and the way that I landed on that, I didn't even, looking back on it now, I can say, yeah, it's because we decided to target a a, a niche market. But at the time, the way I was thinking about it was, okay, I've been a freelance web designer. Every single website that I've ever done has been completely different in terms of scope and the features that we've built into it and the layout and all that. How do I get it so that every project that I end up doing looks the same, like has the same layout and and has the same features? Well, if if they're all if all the customers are from the same industry, then they probably have very similar needs. And then I just made a list of like 20 different industries, like restaurants, hotels, doctors, lawyers, you know, accountants. And for whatever reason, just randomly, I kind of settled on restaurants because it was pretty obvious, you know, every restaurant, they need to show their food menu. They need to show their hours. There are a lot of crappy restaurant websites. And there are so there, many man. terrible, you know, restaurant <laughs> so websites. So many bad ones. Um, and so that just seemed like <laughs> if, an easy... If they have one at all. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, and this was back in, I started that around 2012, so it was even worse than it is today. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, that's that's how that one started. Is there a process that you kind of teach? Like, I mean, again, this is like, I mean, you do a whole podcast about this, right? I mean, you want to share your plug your podcast here? Go ahead. Well, yeah, that's that's the productized podcast. I talk to productized service 
owners. I also talk to other people like software and anybody I want to talk to. Basically, I, I invite them on the show. Um, and for years, I've also been teaching the productized course. Uh, so all all of my uh, course, my free content, my my podcast, the the course, the community, all that is is at um, productizeandscale.com. Um, been developing that library of content since uh, since about 2013. You know, the thing I wanted to mention about about it is that again, like it's easy enough to get hired as a freelancer. There are plenty of places you can go to do that, like Upwork or referrals and things like that. And that's always a good start. But the other thing to keep in mind, and I really like to to tell people about this, is that once you move to like a productized service model, it's actually a lot easier to sell, but it's also easier for your clients to buy. You know, um, it's it's actually really hard for for a business to hire a freelancer. Like it, there's a lot of unknowns. Uh, it's it's kind of a headache. They've got to go through all this like work of like finding the right freelancer and sifting through hundreds of them and then interviewing them. And then you and then you interview them and you talk to them and then it's like, well, what do I need? What's going to be included in the scope? How much is that going to cost? You're giving me this hourly rate, but how many hours is that going to be? Okay, you know, and then and then for this for the freelancer, you got to then write up a whole proposal, and there's a lot of work that goes into that, and you send that off. Maybe fifty fifty chance they'll actually accept your proposal, and then you're negotiating again, and it's just a lot of work on on both ends, you know. Um, and so and so what with a productized service model, it it looks more like from the service provider, it's like, hey, we've identified this problem for this customer. And here's what that problem looks like. We know it really well. We know it inside and out. We've put together this solution. We've, we've included in this solution everything that is that perfectly solves that problem. And here's here's the price tag for it. And here's how long it's going to take. Right. Here's your restaurant website. Here's where you can put your menu. Here's yeah. how to get on Yelp or whatever. I don't know. Exactly. If you're a restaurant owner or if you're the target customer for this service, you show up at the website and it's like, you're just nodding your head like, yeah, they, they get me. They, they understand it. It's, it's easy for me to understand because, because it's like they know me so well. They know my problem so well that, of course, they must have the solution. And then they do. And then you see, you see the testimonials. You see that like, they've done hundreds of restaurant websites in the past. So, so then the whole question or the risk of like, well, can this freelancer or can this service really deliver for me? It goes right out the window. It's like, of course they can. It's a whole business built for people like me, you know? Yeah, that, that's just doing this and you're buying that one product and like the end destination is the same. They're getting a website for their restaurant, but the journey is rather than through an individual, like you said, I mean, the back and forth and all the work involved on both ends. You know, I mean, I think that's a really important point, just saying how much work it is for a business to just work with an individual as opposed to going on and seeing like a sort of vetted company that's getting them as they're reading the copy they're going up the yes ladder aren't they yeah yeah that's me right. yeah that's me <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right. but it's it's true like even just the fact of like offering the service as in, in a productized format with such a focus on on a target customer like that in itself is the benefit that that they're sort of buying it's like oh all of a sudden you're saving me tons of hours of trying to find just the right freelancer you know yeah. So obviously this is a very nuanced process. Like we can't 
give you the whole process here in this podcast, but it would be great just to hear generally like what you think the steps are to creating a productized service. Like you just mentioned before how you kind of did it with listing out the industries and things like that. Like, do you have actually a sort of a specific framework that you walk people through to get them started? Yeah, I, I think there there are a number of things. You know, uh, it starts with really first starts with understanding who who you want to serve, who your who your ideal customer should be. Um, the the tip that I have there is like try to focus on a a customer who you already have some inroads with, um, and that could be past clients that you've done some freelance work with. That could be an industry that you used to work full time in, in like a corporate job or something like, um, cause first of all, that means that you'll probably have contacts that you can go straight, go to and say, Hey, what do you think of this new offering that I'm putting together? But, but the second thing about that is that you, you probably have some insider knowledge, you know, um, something about that, that industry or, or what customers are dealing with that, most other people, most other entrepreneurs, most other businesses don't really know the nuances. Like they don't, they don't know the exact problems that, that, a, that a restaurant owner might be dealing with, you know, um, because you have, you have those inroads to build on and, th- and that's where you can find the, the unique ideas that really, really resonate with, uh, with the target customer. Then the next phase is just, you know, putting to putting together a, and like an idea, a concept, a pitch, for here's the problem we want to solve, here's here's uh, how we solve it, here's a, a price tag for it, um, what do you think? And this is where I love productized services because you could do this so fast, you know, um, unlike software, unlike writing a course or something, that takes months to do. This can literally happen in a weekend, um, and it has. <laughs> I mean, Audience Ops, I literally launched from idea to first paying customers like within two weeks. Now, was that including like building your team and stuff like that or? Uh, no, it was just kind of putting the idea up on a very basic website and emailing it to 20 or 30 contacts, you know, p- friends, warm, warm contacts asking for their feedback. A couple of them had the need. A couple of them knew somebody who had the need. And and how many customers did you end up with after two weeks? Like in that case? Yeah. Around? So I so I emailed like, say, 25 people that resulted in like six or seven calls and it was three paying customers within two weeks um and I, would you share would you be willing to share like rough numbers on what that uh, means? yeah i mean our, just... our pricing actually was very similar to what it is today um those were uh between one and two thousand dollars a month each so within this was like five years ago so within the first month there within the first two to four weeks we were somewhere around five to six k mrr monthly recurring revenue as soon as i started making those sales, that's when I started hiring, um, a couple of freelance writers to work with me. And then, and then it's a matter of like figuring out, see at this point, different people will will tackle it differently. At at that time, I wanted to figure out a way to make sure I have a team delivering the services and not me. So I hired some people and, and I worked directly as like the project manager, um, with, with the freelancers and with the clients directly. And we spent a few months really hammering out the, the process and getting that right. And then eventually I added more writers, more assistants. And then eventually after that, I hired a, a couple of project managers and removed myself from that, that side of it. Um, later on, I, I hired a salesperson to do that. And so um, it's kind of a methodic process of, of 
hammering out the process. The, the cool thing about it is that you, you're, you still are actually delivering the service to paying customers. You know, they're, they're still getting their, their articles written. It's just behind the scenes. We're also documenting our processes and figuring out the, the best way to do it. Um, you know, again, you compare that to courses and software. It's like, yeah, you could have some early conversations, but it's all based on a promise that someday in the future, we're going to have a product that you could actually use. Whereas th- with a productized service, you could start selling it and actually start delivering it from day one. Your processes won't be perfect, but you can develop those as you go along, you know? Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, and also, as you just heard, I mean, being able to start somebody and within two to four weeks have a few clients. And I mean, I know that might sound scary to some people like what, like you get some, you put yourself out there and you get some paying customers and then, uh, then you have to go figure out how to like deliver it to them. Right. Like what you promised. It's one of the smartest ways to kind of launch your business because you're, you're basically vetting the idea. You're like, okay, this works. Like people are actually willing to pay me for this. Now I can spend the time to, you know, hire the writers. And of course you can, you, if you're managing your clients, I'm sure you're, you're like kind of being realistic with the timelines. You're not going to overpromise anything as far as like, you know, setting yourself up for failure, you know, <laughs> you're in control of a lot of it. Yeah, And I don't want to, you know, give the impression that like, look, anybody can do it exactly how I did it on, on the audience ops business. Because the, the truth is, yeah, I, I did, I did launch it in that sort of time frame, but I also had spent years before that building up a network of warm contacts that I can go to for this years before that of hiring freelancers for all sorts of different stuff. And I've, and I hired writers for, for that's, that's what led to the idea for, for audience ops. So, um, so I had some experience and that's what gave me the confidence that I knew that within a few weeks I could, I could put those pieces together fairly quickly. I, I mean, I still made a ton of mistakes and figured out things along the way, but um, yeah. you know, like, yeah, we don't want to discount your experience before then and give anybody any unrealistic expectations, but also at the same time, you can hear the possibilities within, I guess, the time frames that you think you might be able to work within in terms of your experience, I guess. I mean, as stories like that, I think it's, it can get you excited. At least it gets me excited, right? Me the too, possibilities <laughs> of, uh, what you can, what you can build and put out there. I love geeking out on process and and automation, and especially as that relates to a team. You know, there's a lot you could do with, with automation with things like Zapier and pro, and programming and stuff, but still, there's a ton of automation that can that can happen when you hire a few people to carry out a very standard process. And well, uh, what is your advice there? Because I'm that's something I'm going through right now, and that's uh, been a tough nut for me to crack personally, because it's not, like you said, it's not a Zapier or something. It's a, you're trying to sort of automate a human project workflow. One of many things. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, again, it, it sort of depends on what it is you're trying to build a process around, but, the, but the more standard that it can be, the more, the more predictable that you can make every repeatable project, the easier that's going to be. It's never going to be perfectly predictable or perfectly the same. That's that's the thing to keep in mind. I mean, a lot of people like to talk about processes and and SOPs, standard operating procedures, and that and that like it has to be so incredibly rigid. Well, when you're dealing with services, 
especially like creative services, you know, there's always going to be differences. And and one thing to keep in mind, like I get this question a lot is like, okay, I'm offering a web design service or I'm offering a writing service. How do you build a process when it's so creative and you need to deliver original work every time or, or it's like very analytical or requires some special skill or some special talent to, to deliver that can still follow a process. It just, it just means that the, um, the content of, of the service. So, you know, or, or the, the people that you hired need to have certain, certain qualifications in order to, to carry out their, their work or the, the work that they're doing might be completely custom and original, but they're still delivering it. They're still producing it in, in a very similar schedule and format. I mean, like for example, audience ops, we do original blog content for clients. Every week we're, pr- we're producing articles for their blog. Every article that we do for a client is completely hundred percent original. We don't like template the articles, you know, um, everyone comes with everyone involves like uh, a lot of deep research and across a wide variety of different industries, but the production cycle for a single article, that's very similar from, from one to the next. I mean, every article goes through our ideation phase and then our uh, dra- uh, article draft process and then our copy editing process. And then we deliver it to the client and then we process their feedback this way and then we publish it for them. And, and so it's, it's all, it's all just a production cycle, you know? And, and for that cycle, like we hire really talented writers and, and like, you know, we don't hire just anyone. It's, it's, uh, it, that's what makes it work. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, what is your advice on hiring good people? Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that could be a whole podcast in itself. Um, I'd say maybe a, it should be, it should be right. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> above all the thing that I always, always look for is communication skills. It doesn't matter what role you're hiring for, whether they're a writer or a software developer or designer, or whoever, like their technical skill is a given. If you get a hundred applications from a job posting, you're going to, you know, you're going to whittle it down to the top 10% who, who have really good samples of, of their writing, or they have a really good portfolio. So that, that's a given. Then among, among that group, the ones who communicate the best. So meaning the people who show up on time, uh, ask really good questions. They're really great listeners. And, and then they ask follow-up questions on that. They're excellent writers like that they'll write emails that are easy to read no grammar mistakes they're not like walls of text and paragraphs they're just you know they're just good communicators um those people are always the the best people to work with and and there have been times where i've hired exceptionally talented people who who just um are unreliable like maybe they were good at communication but then they don't deliver on deadlines or, or they just, you know, they, they kind of fall off the map for two or three days at a time. It's, it's really frustrating because they're super talented. They deliver really great work, but if you can't communicate, if we can't depend on you to, to come in on time, you know, um, it's just not going to work. And so that, that's what we've, we've looked for. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately 
I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks. So they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. I mean, again, this is such a deep topic. So, I mean, I think we've covered quite a bit in terms of like what what this is and kind of breaking down exactly the idea of taking an idea or a service and turning it into a product. It's, it's like you said, it's not an easy thing, but I just wanted to get this in front of people as a potential, I don't know, mindset shift maybe for some, uh, whether they're currently freelancing or they're thinking about starting something. And, and, and it's just a different way to look at putting something out there. If you're going to have uh, a time investment to create something, you might as well try to maximize that time investment, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I like to call it. I like to think of it like it's the path of least resistance. <laughs> you know, to getting. You know, because when I was free, when I was a freelance web designer, there were years, like full years, where I was like figuring out. I was trying to figure out like how how does this actually grow beyond just me doing websites on my computer for clients because I can't do this forever. And I can't really grow into a business that could into like a real business or a brand that could actually scale. And and I tried hiring before before the productized model where it was like every project is different. It was way more difficult to hire in that sense. And because it it cost more, it it took a lot more time to to get somebody to do each individual project. Um this this was the way. Cause, cause then the other, the other options that people look at are like you're freelancing and then you try to launch a, a course or you try to launch some software. And that is just such a difficult gap to try to leap over. Um, the, the productized service, that's why I think of it as like that path of least resistance. It, it, it it's, it's that bridge between like solo freelancer to an actual business that could scale, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're staying within your zone of genius in some ways, right? Yeah. And you can build on it. You know, you can work with a lot of the same clients, learn from them, turn that into a service, you know? 
Yeah, and I think that's liberating just, uh, again, as an idea to explore if you're somebody who has been trading time for money or you're thinking about doing that. Like you said, it's not necessarily, you're not saying, oh, don't do that and get some experience. But, you know, uh, some people might be put off at even kind of trying it at first. They're like, well, this isn't, you know, I want to have passive income or I want passive income. I'll use the air quotes around that. (laughs) You know, I want to have freedom. I want to have, I don't want to have to trade my time for money, but this is like, yeah, like a a way out of the, you have a path essentially. And I wanted to share this path as an option for people. Totally. So. And, and again, if you're, if you're new to freelancing in general, again, there's nothing wrong with it, but it, you could also think of it like you're getting paid to research markets. You're, like you're, you're literally going in and getting, somebody's hiring you for your hours to do some work for them. But during that process, you're exploring new industries new new clients to work with what are their exact needs hey and i'm paying some bills while i'm at it it's uh it's it's a great way to get into it sure you might get a peek behind the curtain at some other bigger companies processes too depending on who you're working with exactly never hurts to learn on somebody else's dime right right. yep (laughs) when you uh before you started your entrepreneurial journey were you working just strictly as like did you work in the corporate world or did you ever have like sort of a nine to five regular thing or have you always been kind of like you know what screw that (laughs) no i I, to be honest i i never even expected i'd i'd end up being uh it makes sense looking back on it but i I didn't expect i'd end up being an online business owner (laughs) um i i started as like my first real nine to five was a, a web design like front end web development position at a web agency in new york um I did that, you know, full time in the office. It was small office, like 20 people or so. Um, and, uh, did that for about three years. And what I, I, I was sitting there at the office and I realized, Hey, this agency sometimes hires freelancers, you know, like occasionally, like I was going in there nine to five every day, but there were, there were other, other guys and and gals who would show up maybe on like a, just a Tuesday and a Friday for a couple of hours. And then they'd, go off and go play in their band or whatever else they, they do. And I was like, <laughs> I was looking at them. I was like, okay, I'm in my twenties at, at the time back then. And, yeah. and I have basically the same skills as these people do. Why am I sitting in this desk every single day and they get to just show up, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and, uh, and this was casually cruise in work for a few hours yeah. and splits. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. Exactly. <laughs> and this was like 2005 or so. So it was like, it was a little bit less about like remote work back then, but right. that's what clued me in. Like, oh, freelancing is a thing, and people with my skills do freelancing. So maybe I should do freelancing, and that's that's what I uh, decided to do back then. So yeah, very cool. Did you grow up in New York or? Yeah, yeah, from uh, Long Island, New York originally. I, okay. I live in Connecticut now. Before we let you go, give us a couple. I mean, a lot of people are going to travel to New York City, uh, have or will again at one point. Give us a couple of your favorite New York City sort of maybe hidden gems or uh, I don't know. Um, hmm. Let's see. I lived in um, I lived in Brooklyn for a couple of years and then and then I lived in Long Island City. Uh, Those are both of those places are really great. One place that I've always loved is Astoria, Queens. Uh, which is sort of like the town that's like right above Long Island City, right? It's right across the river from from Manhattan. Some some of the best restaurants, a lot of Greek restaurants are up there. I love that. Um, uh, in Brooklyn, I, I lived in Prospect Heights, 
um, now it's probably a lot more gentrified than it was when I was there. Um, Prospect Park is down there, which is a really cool place. Uh, Brooklyn Museum, Botanical Gardens. I, I kind of loved that that whole area down there. So why don't you hear a New York accent, man? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> People say that, you know, I, I don't know. I think maybe when I'm around my, my friends from home, you know, I, I get the, the New York accent, the, the Long Island accent there, you know? Yeah. Long Island. Long There's Island. something super charming when somebody like you're in New York City and somebody's sort of yelling at you, but it's like, but it's like their way of being nice, yeah. you know? You're just hey, like, oh, this it. feels good. good. This is like a warm, <laughs> fuzzy feeling, but I'm also getting screamed at and spit on. And <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Not really spit on, but just, you know, like su- such aggressive. I mean, I come from the Northeast, so, you know, that's that vibe gets. Uh, I grew up outside of Philadelphia. That vibe kind of um, there's a vibe in the Northeast. That's the only way I can. A little bit angry. It's a little bit angry. Yeah, it's a, it's a little <laughs> aggressive, but it but it's like helpful. You know, like like you, it's, people on the street in New York, they they love to to help you figure out which subway to get on or or, or which which route to take. You know, and it's yeah. like it's like right. don't do that. You're an idiot. Don't do that. You got to do this. Wait, he just called me an idiot, but he was also really nice. Like oh, it was right. like, <laughs> oh, okay, that's basically it. The other thing that you'll find is uh, food everywhere basically sucks except for in New York. So. Uh, anywhere I go, I'm, I'm always disappointed with the pizza and the Chinese food. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one of my favorite, uh, and I'll let you go on this story. I, I, there was, I was working with a crew on this promotional event a long, long time ago. The thing we were promoting was New York city. And this girl came back and she was telling her the story. She was like this girl from the Midwest that like had not been anywhere. I don't think. And then like they threw her into the city. Right. So she said uh, she called the subway and asked them how to get to Niagara Falls. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they said... uh, You're going to need more than a subway for that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you can't take the subway to Niagara Falls. That's like on the New York-Canadian border. Secondly, this is Subway Sandwich Shop. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. So, I mean, I guess, yeah. And it's so much easier now, like with smartphones and Google Maps and all that. I mean, uh, I I lived in the city up until um, like 2007 or so, which was right when the iPhone arrived. And at that point, there was no Uber. There was no, you know, Google Maps wasn't even what it is today. And And it was like. Yeah, it was just a lot harder to get around. That's what makes traveling a lot easier now. You, we could just show up in any city and, and get an Uber, figure it out, Airbnb. Yeah. So much easier now. It's crazy. Well, cool. Thanks, man. I mean, you're, you're a wealth of knowledge in this stuff. So I'm going to hear uh, if anybody has any, any follow-up questions, of course, they can hit me up and maybe we'll have to revisit some of or go deeper on some of these topics again at some point. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Jason, for having me on. This was this was fun. Got to talk a little a lot more stuff that I don't usually uh, yap about on on podcasts. So. <laughs> nice. We'll include all the various links that you mentioned. I think you mentioned all of your products. Were we missing anything? Is there like one place people should go where like everything is linked to? Or yeah, I mean, um, so on. I'm probably most active on on Twitter. I'm, I'm Cast Jam uh, on Twitter. Um, you'll see some some links there. If you're interested in productized services, my site is productizeandscale.com. That's where you'll see all my best 
teaching and, and free courses and, and stuff on that over there. Um, and the product I'm currently focused on is, is processkit.com. Oh, and, and of course my productized service business is, is audience ops. So <laughs> I know, I know it's, things it's way on. too many links and, uh, and I yeah. do a few podcasts <laughs> in there myself. So it's, you know, you'll, you'll find it. It's all linked together on the internet there. You'll find them. It's on the internet there. <laughs> now we'll put the links in and, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Brian. Thank you. There you have it. My interview with Brian Castle. He's a cool dude. He's a nice guy. I really enjoyed chatting with him. Hope you enjoyed listening in. What do you think? Is this something you are going to explore? Is this something you are going to consider? I think that it's pretty empowering to know that if you start some kind of service as a freelancer, which by the way, I believe is the easiest way to create a location independent business. I mean, you could do that today, right? You can say, all right, here are the skills I have. I'm just going to pick one of these skills. I'm going to offer this as a freelancer and I'm going to work remotely and start doing this. Bam, you've got a business, believe it or not, right? A lot of people, you know, you don't want to trade time for money eventually. That might not be your end goal. And I always found it really cool to think about this idea of productized services because it's it's kind of liberating. It's like giving yourself permission. Okay, like just because I start as a freelancer doesn't mean I have to be a freelancer forever. I can actually take this whole productized service approach. And yeah, I might do this for a while this way, but eventually I can turn it into more of like a product where I can step out of it and and manage a business on a higher level. And I thought that was cool because, you know, you can start something as a freelancer and do some hourly things, but you don't have to feel like you're going to be stuck in that mode forever if you're looking at it through this lens, right? I mean, that's what I'm trying to do here with the podcast, just giving you different lenses through which to see various things that can help you travel the world. Anyway, so thanks to Brian for stopping by the show. We've got some fun things here coming up. I've got to give you these three powerful tips for creating constraints for yourself. These things really work, I know, because I've used them personally, and I know a lot of people that do use them. And we, in fact, we kind of use some of these things through our Lifestyle Launch Academy, which is a new, pro- not new program, but newish program, new this year, that uh, I've been running with my buddy Travis over at Location Indie, which is our community. Uh, you can't find the program anywhere online yet. We've been um, doing this sort of through our email list there and through some other channels. But if you are somebody who wants to start a side hustle, maybe you want to start a productized service, but you want to do it as a side hustle because you have a full-time job. I'll tell you what, having a side hustle is the best way to transition out of a full-time job because you're learning business, you're starting, you're not giving up your income, we're not telling you to quit your job, you get to keep all that, but you can start something on the side and grow it to the point where you can eventually quit your nine to five and travel. So anyway, if you want more information on our next launch, which is coming up uh, early 2021, you can just sign up over at locationindie.com or if you're on the Zero to Travel newsletter, I will certainly let you know when that goes out because we're we're enrolling new students for our awesome program that helps you uh, launch and grow a side hustle business so you can travel more. So uh, look forward to 
keeping in touch with you about that. Just sign up over at zero to travel.com. That's probably the easiest, right? If you're not on the email list yet, I uh, would love to invite you into the newsletter community there so you can hear about all the cool stuff going on off the podcast. If you've been putting that off, hit pause and do it now. Okay. I'm going to assume you're back. We're going to get into these three tips in a second. I also quickly do want to thank Home Exchange for supporting today's show. Don't forget homeexchange.com, the number one home exchange community in the world. In the world. This is an awesome organization where you can exchange your homes with other people, your homes. You're lucky if you have more than one home, <laughs> your home or your homes with other people easily, seamlessly, and without money changing hands. No money changing hands. It's all through the platform. And what's really cool is you don't have to exchange your home at the same time. This is one of the things that I think confuses people and certainly confused me when I first learned about this service. I thought that my dates had to match up perfectly with whoever I was switching homes with. And, you know, we had to travel on the exact same days and times. That seemed like that would never work. You know, you got flights that you take at other times because they're cheaper. Maybe you want to extend your trip. There's different things, all kinds of different factors. You want flexibility when you travel, right? A home exchange gives you that. They have a unique point system that allows you to exchange homes without having to do it at the same time, which is really cool. This has really revolutionized the home exchange industry, their guest point system. It's awesome. Uh, so you can create a profile for free at homeexchange.com. You can search among 400,000 homes. You can send messages. You get to know people before you exchange homes with them. And you can get a one-year membership for just $150 right now. And you don't pay that until you make your first exchange. And when you do, you can get 10% off that by using the promo code 010 just for being a listener of this show. 010 is that promo code. So if you want a unique way to travel, which I know you do, check out homeexchange.com. It's a really amazing service out there and I'm excited to share it with you and to be a partner with them. And I want to thank them once again for supporting today's show. Now, before we let you go, yeah, we do have a shout out to somebody in the community and these these three tips. You know, you heard Brian and I talk about uh, the idea of setting up constraints for yourself and how well that works. And it does work incredibly well. You know, I, I mean, we've all been there, right? We're like, hey, I'm going to write this book or hey, I'm going to do this, that or the other. And it doesn't get done because there's no real accountability, right? Whereas if you're at your job, you know, your boss tells you, hey, you got to get this done by next Tuesday. It's like you always get it done, right? I mean, most of us anyway, because, you know, you have that sort of external constraint, right? And one of the things that can be challenging for people, particularly when they start either working for themselves or trying to like finish projects on their own, is uh, this is like a hack, right? It's like, you you know, creating constraints for yourself is a bit of a hack, I, I guess, because if you're not paying attention to that as an idea, then you might not be thinking of it. And you may have noticed, I think we've all noticed this in our lives at some point, like there have definitely been plenty of projects for me where I'm like, oh, this just didn't get done or I just didn't really... I didn't really need to finish this, uh, so there there was no like urgency. So, yeah, it's just kind of it's something I've thought about, but it just never happened. Just never happened, right? So, if that is something that sounds familiar to you, let's get into these three strategies, three ways you can manufacture constraints for yourself that work like crazy. Work like crazy. You heard Brian's rule about music making; he would only allow himself to work on a track. Uh, for a, a period of time. So 
how can you create some constraints for yourself? Let, let's say, all right, first of all, let's do a little exercise. I want you to pick some kind of goal now. Pick something that you've been thinking about doing for a while, uh, whether it's uh, travel-related or something else. Maybe you have a book you've been wanting to write or maybe it is music for you. I don't know. It could be anything. Pick something. And now we can do a little exercise here together. So the first, you don't have to do all the three of these things. You could do one of them or you could do all three. All three is uh, very powerful. Uh, but the first one and probably the most powerful way to create some constraints for yourself and to manufacture that urgency is to invest some money. Whoa. Yeah, because then it gets real, right? You got It's called skin in the game, basically. When you get skin in the game it does change things, right? So I'll give you an example of this in my personal life right now. Um, Been playing with this band. Yes, I'm in a band now, which is really cool. We've been working on some songs and we're like, well, you know what? Like, we're going to pick four songs and we're going to record them. Now, we're all pretty busy. We've got kids. We've got, you know, jobs and work and things like that. So how do we find the time to actually get this done because if we didn't create a constraint for ourselves we wouldn't we wouldn't be going into the studio probably ever there's just too much going on in life so what do we do we booked a studio out uh, in western on the western coast of norway and we picked a date we booked a studio we paid for the studio time and we all bought flights to go to western norway later uh next month to spend a weekend and record these songs. Now, that's going to get done, right? We invested in it. We've bought flights. We booked the studio. We're going. We're making it happen. We carved out the time and how we did that is everybody's committed because I know they are because they've invested money in this trip just like I have. I'm not going to not go. It's not right around the corner. I can't just not show up. I'm throwing away the experience and also the money that we invested. So uh, another example of this is my buddy Mike and I, we've done this very successfully uh, in the past. We got to do it again because I need to get back on the in the habit of doing push-ups. We would have these monthly workout schedules where we would do these challenges with each other and you'd have to do a certain exercise every day. So it wasn't like a huge commitment, but it was enough to like get you going and get you, get you in better shape right by the end of the month. And what we did was we had a $5 fine for each day that you didn't complete. So I never wanted to pay Mike five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever, just because I was too lazy to not do the exercise that day. And he didn't want to pay me either. So uh, making this bet actually worked really well because there'd be times I was like, in literally in bed, getting ready for bed. And I was like, oh no, I forgot to do my 75 push-ups. Get out of bed at like 1130 at night and do 75 push-ups. I wouldn't do that if I didn't, it was just like, I don't want to pay Mike five bucks because I just because I want to lay here and I'm not going to get up and do these push ups. So, you know, having some kind of skin in the game works incredibly well. If you are, I'll give you a couple more practical examples. If you are, um, say you want to write a book or something, hire an editor, right? Like, you're like, all right, I've hired somebody. Now I have to have something to give them. I have to get it done. There are all kinds of ways that you can buy a course. You know, you want to start a side hustle, you can invest in the Lifestyle Launch Academy next time it rolls around. You want to learn how to create cool calligraphy? I don't know. Buy a course on it and and learn it. Then you're invested, right? It's not a guarantee, but certainly 
getting some skin in the game, investing some money is a great way. And of course, the ultimate example for us travelers, right? That's booking that flight, booking and paying for that flight, right? I remember when I went to Argentina, it was something I wanted to do. And I just called up and I said, hey, I'm going to book this flight. And they said, uh, I, I tried to book it for, I don't know. I tried to book a one-way flight, actually, and they wouldn't let me. I said, well, how long am I allowed to stay? They said, well, you're allowed to like, you have to have a return flight after four months. So I was like, all right, four months then. Bam, it was decided. Locked it in. So lock it in, whatever that is for you. Second tip is kind of tied in with that. It's just picking a date and committing to it, right? So of course, if you add the money investment like I did with the studio time, then it's even more powerful, right? So we picked a date to record and we all committed to it. That's one thing. Then investing money on top of that gets us extra committed, right? But if you have this uh, sort of ongoing goal that you've been thinking about and you've never assigned a date to it and you've never committed to it, then uh, you know how are you ever going to accomplish it, right? You have to really commit to it in your heart and put a date on the calendar and be like, all right. And then you can start working backwards. Okay, my date for X goal is three months from now. So what am I going to do to get there? What do I have to do next week? What do I have to do tomorrow? You know, what can I do tomorrow? You can start reverse engineering what it would take to get to that three-month goal and make a plan. Make a plan for it. And you can create little benchmarks for yourself and things like that. But you got to set that date and commit to it. And then to sort of solidify that, the third tip I want to share is to tell people. Tell people about it. Tell your friends. Tell your family. uh, Tell coworkers if that's going to be helpful for you. Tell anybody that you can that's close to you Uh, Because it makes it real, and also, it gives you some accountability, right? You can even ask people to hold you accountable. You can be like, hey, um, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to write this book, and I'm going to do it by this date. So feel free to ask me about it and harass me about it. How's that book going? What's going on? You you need, uh, oftentimes, we all need that external sort of motivation sometimes, right? And, I mean, that's kind of like the boss thing I said in the beginning. The boss tells you you got to have something by next Tuesday, you got like you got that accountability. So you need that accountability somewhere from friends, family, a community, uh, whatever. Get that accountability. So there you go. Three power tips for manufacturing constraints so you can do the things you want to do in life and travel and all that good stuff. Invest money, set a date and commit to it, and tell people about it. Get some accountability. There you have it. All right, before I let you go, do you want to give a shout out to somebody in this community who took time to send me a audio message. I've been asking for these and I want you to hear the voices of the other people that are listening to this show and what they're up to. So uh, again, I encourage everybody to take some time, open up that smartphone app, send me an audio message. You can email it to me, jason at zero to travel.com. Uh, this one is from Kit, who's actually been on the show before. She's done some really cool stuff, which she shares in this little clip. Uh, she also sent me a few awesome pictures and I appreciate uh, her presence in this community uh, always checking in and she's provided value in the past if you want to hear her episode she did a whole episode on repositioning cruises you can just search for that in the feed it's a great way to get cheap cruises not that uh, I'm so keen on going on a cruise now maybe you're not either but maybe you know when things kind of clear up with this whole pandemic situation uh, another travel tactic. I mean, we got a lot of them for you in this podcast feed. All right, let's hear from Kit. And then uh, 
after this little audio clip, I will come back and leave you with a quote before we send you off on your way. Hi, Jason. This is Kit Parks with the Active Travel Adventures podcast. I've got to thank you on two fronts. First of all, I found your podcast maybe four or five years ago, I believe it was, and started listening to it and hearing about all these people living life around the world and working around the world. And I was like, I want to do that. If they can do it, I can do it. And your show has been a tremendous inspiration for me on that. And in fact, in less than one month, I will be doing that myself. I live here in the United States, so I'm going to be taking my little camper van Sophie on a cross country and just tootle around exploring our national parks and state parks and, and great states of this country until the vaccine is out and I can resume my international travels. So you taught me that I could do this. And so I've been in preparation for this for the last few years and I finally am ready to go. And on the second front, it was you that got me off my butt to actually start my own podcast. I knew I wanted to do it. I had been preparing for it, but I kept finding reasons why I wasn't quite ready to pull that, wasn't quite ready to publish, wasn't quite ready to record. And then when I had sent you some information about the Alaska Highway Ferry System, you reached back out to me, asked me to come on the show and tell everybody about it. And I was like, hey, would you mind holding off on that? Because I want to start a podcast and I'd like to release it at the same time. And you graciously said yes. So now I had a deadline that I had to get the podcast on the air. So now it's been three years since the Active Travel Adventures podcast has been on air. And in fact, last spring of last year, I started the Adventure Travel Show podcast where I teach people how to do the adventures that I talk about in my main show. And Jason, I know you're very modest, but thanks to you, truly, you have changed my life. I have had an exciting wild ride these last three years, which I give you tons of credit for because you were the one, seriously, that got me to finally get off my butt and actually do it. And then also gave me the confidence that I can go explore the world and afford to do it. I'm not rich, but I can do it. I figured out how to do it many ways because of things I've learned on your program. So thanks, Jason, for everything you do. We all really, really appreciate it. And now that I am a podcaster myself, I know how much work goes into it. And so a double thanks for that. Take care, my friend. The beer or coffee's on me if ever we get the opportunity to meet in person. Thanks, Kit. It was so great to hear your voice. Thanks for being a longtime listener of the show. And if you want to check in, send your own audio message, just send it over to my email. You know what to do. And you heard Kit mention having some accountability and a deadline to get her shows out there. So see, these, these, uh, those power tips I shared earlier work. Okay, let me leave you with a quote on constraints. Now, this is funny because I found this pretty cool quote and I was like, it was from Biz Stone. I'm like, who's Biz Stone? And it was one of the co-founders of Twitter. So this makes sense that he would have a quote about constraints being that they only allow, what, 140 characters or whatever. So the quote is, uh, embrace your constraints. They are provocative. They are challenging. They wake you up. They make you more creative. They make you better. There you go. Thanks again for another wonderful show. Had a blast with you, and I will see you next time, my friends. Cheers. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 